Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. We are spoiler-free for episodes that are coming in the future, but we are going whole hog on spoilers for past episodes. Um, Pedally terrorizing my surrogate daughter's new professor, I'm Harrison. And I'm Jason, and just like Maggie Walsh this week... I have the fucking audacity to talk to Giles like that. <laughs> Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Oh, Jason, we are watching Buffy Season 4, Episode 12, A New Man. This is the one where Buffy has her least traumatizing birthday in a couple years. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> Are you okay? I don't know. I, I don't... That wasn't that funny. It was, it was just moderately funny at best. Are you still laughing about us bashing How I Met Your Mother? Might be. I might be. Um, meanwhile, during Buffy's less than traumatic birthday, Giles uh, is visited by his ex-boyfriend and turned into a demon. A New Man was written by one of our faves, Jane Espenson. And directed by Michael Gershman, and originally aired on January 25th in the year 2000. Okay, interesting. Do, do do you not do you not know that bit from Conan? No, apparently okay. not. Okay, <laughs> all right, never mind. I'm I'm out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> Harrison, what are you drinking this week? I am drinking some orange juice and some uh, papaya juice. Ooh. Uh, and some rum. I was about to say, like, where's the booze in that? <laughs> um, I'm drinking a fresh bottle of OJ. <laughs> John was uh, very much, like, last night he was like, I want to make something, like, tropical and fruity and i was like you're tropical and fruity um <laughs> he's not exactly tropical he's from his family's from scotland he's very pale uh oh careful there his family's from sweden and he will correct you but he's got he always brags about how there he has like links back to like a oh, scottish lord he does he yeah he is like 300th in line to be like king of scotland or some shit <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, but um he's gonna be so mad later when i'm when i'm editing this and he's that's the that's the only time he ever listens to this podcast is while i'm editing um he's gonna be like actually harrison for your information it's 243rd and i don't talk like that harrison yeah (laughs) yeah for being such a bitch today for being uh, for being married to him, you do a terrible John impression. It's really bad. It's really well. That's the thing. I'm really bad at impressions in general. So good um, thing you act. <laughs> it's um kind of reminds me of the uh, that Parks and Rec joke when she's like, maybe I can do like a Nev Campbell impression. What does Nev Campbell sound like? Somebody tell me what the fuck Nev Campbell sounds like. <laughs> anyway, Jason, what are you drinking? <laughs> 
Sorry, I just want to go back to the impressions. That reminds me of um of Phil Dunphy from Modern Family, um and his philosophy. And one of the one of the things in there is you only have a you only have a chance to make a good you only have one chance to make a good first impression. I suggest Julia Child. Anybody can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that one's uh, you just you just pitch yourself like. Uh, about like an octave higher or if you're Kristen Shana with you pitch yourself an octave lower <laughs> um Harrison this week uh since we've got a lot of Giles I am drinking one of Giles favorite drinks scotch scotch nice uh he's probably got a nicer brand than I do but uh this isn't bad uh maybe but maybe he's just like so used to these teenagers like constantly in his house that he like he has nicer stuff, but he keeps it, like, really well hidden. He hides the good liquor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a Buffy episode, ergo it is a Harrison toast. Oh, yes. That's right. Thank you for doing my job, and, like, I'm, I'm doing a terrible job of this this week. I'm just like, what's going on? All right. All right. I'm, I'm focusing. I'm here. I'm present. Um, <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts, but... All right. Um, here's to how fucking gay this episode is <laughs> like it is very gay it is very gay and there's actually i even put in my notes there's one scene where i just have to i i, I just i was like i literally cannot talk about this scene without without spoiling like massive things for later in the season so <laughs> so i'm just not going so uh here's to gayness gayness Mm, morning scotch fantastic hiya mm. <laughs> oh that well was, that was the thing we made hurricanes last night um okay that's so, up um and i don't know how to make a hurricane and i did not look it up so i just went orange juice papaya juice rum and called it there a morning you go. <laughs> well we're gonna start this very gay episode off with uh riley and buffy making out on her bed <laughs> the gayest thing i can think of <laughs> and um I, I guess like i feel like it doesn't feel that riley and buffy have been dating for that long but he's he's already trying to steal second i'm just gonna say that right now like i mean <laughs> his hand was clearly going up her shirt he he was he was a uh, he had his little uh oh god i'm trying to make an initiative sort of joke um he had like his um, uh he had his plan of attack all nice. ready for her nice. bra. So yeah. Um, it's slow um, down there killer. Oh, see I was I <laughs> I was think, kind of thinking the other way. I was like like they're like officially a couple now. How has he not gone for that already? Maybe that's just the gay in me where it's just like, you know, you you banged a couple times before you define that relationship. Um, I don't think that's the gay in you. I think that's just you. <laughs> Listen, sir, I am a married man. I, I, I am a, a I'm a, I'm a proper lady. I <laughs> really. And how many times did you and John sleep together before you got married? A lot. <laughs> we were dating um, for five years before we got married. <laughs> to be fair. Anyway. <laughs> anyway um so uh 
yeah, Riley is basically asking Buffy if they are, if they have to worry about any, uh, any company and, any willow. uh, any willow <laughs> and, uh, Buffy says, nope, she's supposed to be in the library all night. And, uh, of course, Willow barges in. It's like, oh, hey, barges there's Demon. <laughs> but, you know, Buffy, this is why, what, what's, what is it? Like a sock on the door or like a tie on the door? Like, uh, like for a... guys, it's, for guys, it's a sock. For girls, it's a, um, scrunchie. Ah, uh, okay. All right. I, now I know. At least that's what it was in the 2000s, so. Okay. See, I didn't go to a real college, so I don't know. I just don't know these things. You went to a fake college. <laughs> you went to a video game college. I mean, it's not completely inaccurate. <laughs> My degree's real, but, uh, that's what matters. But yeah, uh, Willow does say that there is a demon that is breathing fire. And so this causes uh, both Riley and Buffy to get out of bed. Uh Buffy hands the crossbow to Riley, so he's about to learn everything about inefficient weapons. Listen, you know, if anyone's going to have an inefficient weapon, it might as well be fucking Riley. Like, <laughs> just just seems right. God, you're going to sound like me. <laughs> just, like, bashing Riley any chance you can get. Um, they I walk will try into, to be as fair as I can. I'll try. They walk into a dark room, turn on the light, and turn off the shyness. I mean, it's Buffy's surprise birthday party. She's 19 years old. Woo! Okay, this was a terrible idea. Like, what an, what a great way to get one of those party guests killed by a crossbow. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance it could be Xander? <laughs> uh, also, who are these fucking people? <laughs> Apparently, most of the kids that hang out in the dorm and... Um, it's pr- most of them probably don't know who Buffy is, but but they love to party. when you're a fr- when you're a freshman in college and there's free cake. That's <laughs> dude, you're there. What what is what is this? When you're a freshman in college, just <laughs> when there's free cake, I'm there. <laughs> it's very much the Ron Swanson sort of thinking. Like <laughs> I'd go to a ben- I go to a dinner benefiting the Somali pirates if it meant that there was bacon wrapped shrimp there. So not only does this thing exist, but now you've deprived everyone of cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but uh, so uh, the party ensues and our, our focus shifts away from Buffy and Riley to Giles, who honestly hasn't had too much to do this mm-hmm. season, which is kind of one of the reasons why he gets the spotlight. And uh, he is trying to tell a story to Anya and Xander, which poor, poor Giles getting stuck talking to Xander at a party. <laughs> <laughs> but also good for Giles because he gets to talk to Anya at a party. So, yeah, but know. Anya doesn't really want to talk about it. <laughs> she, doesn't. she doesn't want to listen to him. However, I'm Xander is such a dick in this episode. I love it so much. Xander is trying to kind of get Anya to know a little bit more about social contracts and stuff like that. A weird thing for Xander to be teaching her because 
honestly, if you look at Xander for the past three years, he's not really the model of good social behavior. But <laughs> true, maybe that's what works with uh, Anya. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they basically <laughs> just go and uh, Giles just says, you know what, go and eat, eat food. Um, and uh, he sits. Giles sits down, and uh, then Buffy ha- Buffy comes over with Riley, and she has to introduce her new boyfriend to her dad. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. If you if you thought that we weren't gonna point out every uh, Giles is Buffy's dad, Buffy's real dad thing, why are you even listening to this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Giles is Buffy's dad. And Giles is Ethan's daddy. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so uh, she not only introduces Riley to Giles, uh, and Giles is very surprised, uh, but he... Uh, and also, Riley also implies that Giles is retired. Rude. Rude. Or he, inf- yeah. he infers that Giles is retired. It should be noted that Anthony Head was like mid forties when when he was like at this time, um, and looks like he's in his mid forties. Like he is not elderly or <laughs> retirement age by any means. But uh, then Buffy talks about Professor Walsh, and uh, she's just super excited. To tell Giles everything about Professor Walsh, including that she's the smartest person that she's ever met. Boy, does Giles take this badly. Um, (laughs) Yep. And uh, immediately the sass comes out and says, oh, well, why is it? Maybe we should have invited her to the party. And Buffy immediately says, oh, no, she's old. She's kind of like 40. So she has much better (laughs) things to do than just hang around with a bunch of kids. <laughs> normally Buffy is aware normally Buffy is aware of like what she says when she's saying it to at least the people closest to her um, but I don't know I guess she's got like that new relationship I guess she's high off of that new relationship smell oh uh, yeah that's what Willow comments on later Willow comments on later um, uh, I also just think it's indicative of the kind of disconnect that we're starting to see um amongst the group in general like you know there's still a group but you know we, willow lies to buffy later about where she was when she was with tara yep. and um obviously she's buffy forgets to tell giles some pretty crucial things so we're starting to see that as they've gone into college or not gone into college as the case may be for xander or as the case is for xander <laughs> um there these cracks are starting to form um, yeah which is what uh, happens i mean that's pretty realistic uh we get a uh after the party uh, the next day we get a brief uh scene of spike uh who is now moving out of xander's basement and uh but not of course without discussing how just dank and disgusting it is <laughs> oh. and anya of course chiming in and I love when she says, "Oh, here, this is for your new place," which he's, which Smike has already said he's planning on it being a crypt, and she just grabs Xander's lamp and yeah. hands it to him. 
And I love it. She, he's like, Xander's like, what the fuck? And she's like, it's a housewarming gift. And it's like, <laughs> so we see Anya is picking up on some social cues, just not necessarily <laughs> the right ones. Um, yeah, this is, I guess they just, I mean, I guess they don't need Spike's information on the commandos anymore. Um, yeah, now that they've basically got a direct line to Riley. So, yeah. And the initiative. Um, it does just seem so weird that they're just like earlier in the season they were like we have to like keep tabs on Spike and now they're just like bye Spike. <laughs> Honestly, it's a very strange shift in the dynamic, and it kind of uh, threw me at the, in the next scene when Buffy is talking to Professor Walsh and basically just giving like revealing that she's the Slayer um, mm-hmm. openly, and it, it's like. You know, it seems that just a couple episodes, everything was supposed to be secret. So I actually almost feel a little bit like Giles. I feel that we're a little out of the loop and that maybe we've made like one jump too far. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't see Buffy trusting the initiative as much as she does in this episode. But she's all for yeah. hanging out with Professor Walsh. And I mean, I mean... Good dick makes you do a lot of things. That's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think that it's like, it, it, yeah, you're right. It feels like really quick to trust everything. But at the same time, like, she does trust Riley. She's dating Riley. And it's been established how much she admires Professor Walsh. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, maybe that is enough for her to be like, okay, I mean, we're all on the same team here. Um, but yeah, it just feels almost like one episode too soon you know what i mean Uh, yeah and um then uh um professor walsh talks to talks about she's trying to brag about riley saying that oh riley has 17 captures and kills (laughs) pretty impressive right (laughs) and apparently they came to a dick measuring contest that they cannot win because (laughs) Buffy decides to show them the seasons one through three box sets of (laughs) Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my god, I love how Buffy's like, oh, 17, that's cute. Like, good job, go you. (laughs) Yeah, and um, Riley is very intimidated by this. Um... And he doesn't even try to hide good. it, which it should be. Yeah, I guess is a good thing. Um, I would absolutely hate for episodes to just consist of like, oh man, Buffy's so strong, but I'm not gonna let it bother me. But I'm still gonna let it like fester and mm-hmm. resentment. Boo. Um, <laughs> this scene also has one of my favorite lines of the whole series. It's so dumb, but it makes me laugh so much. Where Professor Walsh says, The Slayer, we thought you were a myth. And Buffy responds, Well, you were myth taken. That is, without a doubt, <laughs> the greatest line in the entire history of this entire show. <laughs> uh, and just, <laughs> SMG is so cute when she delivers it. She's just like, she's like, I know this is funny. I know this joke's gonna fucking kill. And, and of course, Professor Walsh is just 
stone-faced as always. <laughs> but, um... No, but seriously, that is the funniest joke ever made. Ever. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. You were myth-taken. Um... Uh, yeah, and uh, meanwhile, Giles is dusting in his apartment. He's dusting his many, many books. And then he pulls out a book, seemingly at random, and opens it, but then he does something that, ugh, I hate. With the duster that he has just been dusting with, he puts that in his mouth. I get that he puts the handle in his mouth, but those, like, that duster that is probably full of dust is very close to his now open mouth. And that's that's gross. <laughs> it's very gross. Um, I also just hate those kind of dusters. Like, I, I I feel like they don't actually do anything except just spread the dust around. Oh yeah, no. Give me a big, <laughs> give me a big fluffy neon green static cling duster any day. Yes, yes. Oh, I love those. I I, I made John uh, get one recently. Um. Except I did not specify that the one, the kind I wanted was like the really long ones with like the handles so you can get like the cobwebs. Uh, yeah. And so I came back with one of those like little handheld ones. And I was like, I mean, this is fine. I This is useful, but we still got all these fucking cobwebs and I don't want to get on a chair. <laughs> our house has, for listeners, our house is like an old Victorian and has very tall ceilings. And it's just, we have so many cobwebs always. It's a constant cobweb <laughs> house. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So uh, Giles just pulls out this book, opens it up, and then just mutters some weird watcher knowledge nonsense and uh, says and realizes that a uh, that a powerful demon named Barvain is about to rise. Um, he tries to get a hold of Willow, but or he tries to get a hold of Buffy, but Willow says that Buffy is actually with Professor Walsh, so he instead takes uh, Willow and Xander with him uh, to do this, but not before. Not before uh, Giles goes to talk to Maggie Walsh. Yeah. Oh boy. This scene. Like uh, I said at the top of the episode, the fucking audacity. You know what I uh, love though? I love when you get two actors like Lindsay Krauss and Anthony Head and just stick them in a scene together and just let them do it, do their thing. Because they're both so good. Um, and like. Oh, yes, I'm like, I'm mad at Maggie in this scene, but I'm also like, yes, Lindsay Krauss, do it. Kill him. Yeah, and actually, I kind of think about that. There are quite a few. Um, I feel that for a lot of Buffy-esque shows about uh, teenagers, adolescents, um, being, like, working together in a group against a common cause, there's typically a veteran actor mm-hmm. uh, who plays the adult of the group. And, um, when you get that adult with a, um, with another adult that is also like a special guest actor or something like that, those tend to be really great scenes. And it's, 
it's you know it's kind of a break from all that teenage bullshit (laughs) a little bit well i know what i love too is it's funny because in some ways i I wrote this in my notes in some ways maggie is spot on she has a line where she says that it's unhealthy for buffy to have taken on this role uh, of the slayer um at such a such an early age and i'm like yeah (laughs) three and some change seasons have shown how unhealthy this is for buffy but then she says that Buffy's clearly lacking in a male role model. And I'm like, listen here. We didn't send Hank Summers off to L.A. never to be seen again to, so that Giles could be her real father for you to say this bullshit, Maggie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was very annoyed with that. Um, um, but I think that is indicative of um, Maggie's mindset though she oh yeah i mean she teaches psych 101 yeah so (laughs) it it doesn't seem that buffy mentioned the watchers at all because i feel that maggie would have brought that up um Mm. even if giles didn't but uh, as far as she knows giles is just buffy's friend Ooh, (laughs) that line stung (laughs) yeah uh so uh, giles yeah. in a mood he, he actually <laughs> that, sorry i just this episode could just be called giles in a mood he spends the rest of this episode in a mood and uh <laughs> and giles uh takes xander and willow to the cemetery uh to find this demon and uh they don't really and they don't find him at all, in fact. And uh, I'm actually trying to... Oh, yeah. So I was actually kind of wondering if maybe he shows up in another episode. Um, but no. He's just... He was just captured by the initiative. Uh, so... Yeah, I think they... I think they, like... I think it's Willow who's, like, notices that the area where he was supposed to rise isn't just, like, clean, but, like, too clean for, like... yeah. At, like what it is so they i think she's like i'm pretty sure the initiative have been here because um and uh this oh yeah yeah because that's when she and xander are talking about it and giles is like what the fuck are you two talking about <laughs> what's the initiative <laughs> he doesn't even know that the commandos are called the initiative yeah um lines of communications friends uh which <laughs> Giles calls Buffy out at the end of the episode when he's plugging in his new phone. He's like, Buffy, this is called a telephone. A magical (laughs) tube. (laughs) Uh, And Buffy deserves it. I was like, yes, give her all the shade. Yeah. um, And uh, so this is when Willow and Xander are filling in, filling Giles in a little half-heartedly about everything that that's that has happened over the course of the last couple of episodes and Joe's like wait a minute I've been looking for all for a scrap of information about these commandos and Buffy's dating one yeah then he's just he's just like you know what I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait here just in case anything happens and tells Willow and Xander to go away and um then he but he gives up on that pretty quick and decides <laughs> to just um to just leave as well, which leads to quite possibly the greatest thing to happen before a commercial break in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh. As Ethan Rain walks out of the shadows, 
starts monologuing about, ooh, there's some interesting thing co- things coming. And then Giles comes back in and is like, I'm sorry, what? And <laughs> <laughs> He goes, oh, bugger, I thought you'd gone. <laughs> Fantastic. That is that is Jane Espenson. It was like she wrote oh, it in yeah. front of me. <laughs> it's so funny. And I just, I I feel like generally I love anytime Ethan Rain shows up. I, I love him. Um, unfortunately, I believe this is our last Ethan Rain appearance on the show. Um... And uh, Correct. I don't think he ever appears he d- again. He does have a story in the comics, but oh uh, yes, I do remember. But that. yes, this is his but last yeah. television appearance. Um, and um, sadly, Robin Sachs, the actor who played him, passed away a few years ago. Oh, that is sad. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, he, but he's he's just very good. He, the character is great. It bring the character brings out the worst in Giles, <laughs> which often leads to great stuff for an episode. Um, and, and yeah, I love these moments you, you have with him where like he does his evil monologue and he's like, oh fuck. Um, like I didn't realize anyone was listening. (laughs) Yeah. Fantastic. So Giles decides that he's just going to beat the shit out of Ethan, which who can blame him after everything that he's put the group through. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Ethan has information and so instead they decide to go out and get some beer. You know, you know, your ex is back in town. You got to catch up. I'm sorry. There is no way you can. He, re, Ethan refers to them as um, old a couple of old mystics, which you, he might, he, he, he should have just gone ahead and said a couple of old queens. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually going to say like, I, I felt for some reason I, I found a little bit of lesbian imagery there or something of, oh, you know, we're just a couple <laughs> of old mystics. Uh, oh, and then he goes, you're really very attractive. And Giles is like, oh. And then it's like revealed that he was actually talking to the waitress, except he wasn't talking to the waitress. He was talking to Giles. He just used the waitress as a convenient, societally acceptable way of expressing his attraction to Giles. And to that, I say, heteronormativity is stupid. Just tell your British magic ex-boyfriend watcher that he's hot. I will. Because I will. If you don't do it, Ethan, I will. I'm going to swoop in there, and Giles is going to be my daddy. Okay. Wow. This is really getting away from me. Anyway, this is my gay agenda <laughs> no, for no, this week. No, I mean, there are many things that could be the gay agenda this week, but uh, we'll stick with that. Um, so, uh, Ethan is basically, over several drinks, Ethan eventually does tell Giles that uh, there are talks amongst demons in the underworld that something is hurting demons and it's not the slayer it's the initiative and he says that they're ve- the demons are very afraid by something called 314 and mm-hmm. this doesn't really mean anything to us except like oh hey it's the first three digits of pi um so oh, yes that's what i thought i didn't think that cuz i forgot so buffy and riley are fighting <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. We skipped over the best part. When Ethan tells Giles after, like, their 10th beer or whatever that he's poisoned Giles' drink and Giles has but a few minutes left to live. And then there's ominous music. And then Ethan goes, Just kidding! (laughs) And they both fall apart laughing. 
What's a little what's a little murder between two friends? I I am so obsessed with Robin Sack's delivery of that. Just kidding. He's so gleeful. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. It is very good. Anyway. Uh, oh. Anyway. But yeah, um also uh also uh, as you said, Ethan uh, gave his phone number to the waitress and oh, yes. you could already tell that she wasn't interested probably because she knew that he was an old queen <laughs> um, so here's I gave my number to a waiter once this is my sad tale I was I think I was 18 um, I was at oh, it was at the Bristol I think I think that, yes, it was at the Bristol with the one in, um, uh, across the river in, uh, in Jeff. Okay. Uh, by like Rockies and I think there's a beer nose over there yeah. in that area. And we just had this really hot waiter and I, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shoot my shot. And I like put my number on my receipt. <laughs> <laughs> He never called me Uh, because he was a waiter and he was just doing his job and I should not have done that because, uh, but I was 18 and I was dumb. I I mean, (laughs) there are worse things that you could do. I mean, it's not like you grabbed his ass while he was working. Oh yeah. 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 I wasn't doing anything really bad. You shouldn't feel too ashamed about it. Well, I'm ashamed he didn't call me like... Well, I mean, that's a different kind of shame. <laughs> um, but, like, in general, though, I'm, like, look, looking back on it, I'm just like, or and as I've gotten older, I'm just like, he was not flirting with me. He was just being a good waiter. Like, that's... Yeah, I, um, I've i never given my number to waitresses, but one time a waitress gave her number to me. Um, nice! Yeah, it was at Hooters, of all places. Nice! Sick, bro! <laughs> Whoa, I don't know what just came over me. Did I just become a straight bro? Trust me, <laughs> but you're fine. No, no. <laughs> Good, thank you. Oh, thank God. Um, nice. Still gay. <laughs> oh, you wanted this fist bump through, through FaceTime. Through FaceTime. It's a, it's a, it just became fist time. <laughs> I wish we could have gotten a screen grab of the face I just made. Um, don't ever say fist time again to me. Um, <laughs> uh, um, it's so gay. Um, <laughs> let, no, no, listen, anyone can fist. That's true. Uh, any, any, anyone can fist is the subtitle of this episode. Okay. <laughs> All right. Buffy and Riley are sparring. Um, and Buffy's... Um, <laughs> Riley's like, don't hold back. And then Buffy throws him across the room. She kicks him across the room. Uh, oh, yes. That's right. Um, um, I love it. I'm just like, good. Kill him. Uh, <laughs> Break his ribs. <laughs> Finish him. 
All right. Um, do you want to describe this Willow and Tara scene? Since I've already de- I've already said before we started recording that I just I can't I can't with uh, Willow decides to uh, have a magic date with Tara, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so they uh, they are sitting in a room, mm-hmm. and Willow has made her uh, typical pentagram in sand, and in this sand there is a rose. And so, let me just describe exactly what happens. Willow says that they're going to work on something. Tara says, what are we going to work on? And she says, oh, we are going to align our minds and align our magic together so that we can make a rose float into the air and then slowly peel the petals off one by one. Yeah, take of this what you will. This is about as subtle as a Georgia O'Keeffe painting. <laughs> oh my god! Well, that just blew my deflowering joke right out of the water, so... <laughs> I'm sorry, like, I know that this is a little bit spoilery, but, I mean, come on. It's... it's so funny because i actually went back and was like looking at some like stuff from when this was airing and people some people being like this seems a little gay and then like (laughs) other people straight people being like no it's just two women floating a rose okay (laughs) oh come on floating a rose that's obvious innuendo (laughs) <laughs> oh what was i watching recently that there was something that came out recently where there were two characters who were like clearly being queer coded in the first couple episodes and people were talking about it and other people were like no 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 until like episode four of whatever it was when yeah the two ladies started kissing uh what was oh it was the the haunting of Bly manor um has a has a like a queer romance but like before it like becomes official so many people were like no they're just two gal pals and i was like yeah two gal pals who keep staring lovingly into each other's eyes and accidentally touching hands and anyway so um the connection got a little rough while you were saying <laughs> all of that and then it just decided to catch up so i had that whole rant at double speed <laughs> I love, that's actually one of my favorite things about doing these FaceTime, because, yeah, that does happen sometimes, and then it's, like, suddenly, like, a lot of information at once. Um, and especially in an episode where I'm definitely in the mood that I am currently in, which is, like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what's happening to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, what happens to the rose? It seems like the rose is lifting up and going to do exactly what they planned, but then it just kind of starts flying wildly around the room like as as willow would later describe it a rose guided missile who would have thought that this date would have ever come to this ah so now we get to the part where giles wakes up walks down the stairs looks into the mirror and sees that he has become a a horned demon which we later find out is a fiaral demon mm-hmm 
I have to say this episode actually was a lot better than I was expecting it because I didn't remember anything about this episode except Mm. Giles turning into this demon, which is really just kind of like, oh, we need a storyline for Giles that that Ethan Rain can be a part of. Let's do this. And I feel that everything around the Giles turns into a demon story is actually really good. I feel like this is great progression of character beats that are important to Mm -hmm. the season. But the whole Giles being a demon thing is kind of silly. I, you know, I, it is a little silly, but it really doesn't bother me just because I'm, I just, I have a really fun time with this episode. It's, I, I, for me, I was just like, yeah, okay, Giles is a demon now. Like, cool. Let, let's see what yeah, kind of yeah. shenanigans he gets into. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> I feel that if um, if it had been the hands of another writer, it would have been, it wouldn't have been effective. But I feel that it is, it's silly, but not too silly, mm-hmm. and um, it's bolstered by everything happening around it. Yeah, and uh, Jane, um, we're on a first name basis now, by the way, Jane. <laughs> Uh, Jane gets great comedy out of it, which is not shocking because she is a great comedy writer. Um, but she gets really good, um, character beats out of it too. Um, particularly for, for Giles in this episode. Um, but, uh, um, I also just, I, I like that this episode is the first Giles-centric episode in a while that I can think of. That's not just like totally devastating and traumatic for Giles, like passion or like helpless. Like, um, I'm just I'm I'm glad that we get to spend some time with Giles, and it's just kind of a fun romp. Jane does like uh, writing Giles for humor. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, because hey, I am also on a first name basis with Jane Espenson. Uh, I did meet her once. I know, and I'm mad jelly. But she did respond to me on Twitter once, so. Oh, yeah. you guys should basically just move in together. Do you think she would? Do you think? I don't know. I, I don't know what her, I honestly don't know what her uh, situation is. I don't either. She feels gay to me, but everything does. So <laughs> I, I, I believe in, um, I believe in gay until proven straight. Oh. The thing, the thing is though, is that I mean, she's such a fantastic writer, and she gets so much stuff done that uh, you might find yourself like somehow inadvertently in competition with her and losing every time. Yeah, no, I'd be like, I'd be like, well, I might as well not even write because Jane's just like winning, so whatever. But maybe but you're you right. Love writing. I, maybe you're right though. Maybe Jane and I are better off as friends. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's a good place for both of you. <laughs> um, somewhere, somewhere in so, California, Jane Espenson's like, "What the fuck is going on? Some little queer kid is talking about me in a weird way right now. I can just tell." <laughs> um. So, back to Giles being a horn demon, um, as opposed to uh, Buffy and uh, Riley, who were horny demons at the beginning of this episode. Nope. 
C minus. Shut up. I'm tired of carrying this show. <laughs> they aren't all winners. Boy, I'm tired. I, oh, I still haven't gone to sleep yet. <laughs> and yeah, I'm almost through the scotch, so. Nice. Oh, where were we at? Okay, yes. So um, Giles is a demon. Then he decides to uh, put on a shirt, cover his massively ripped demon chest. Um, actually, it's not too ripped. Nice. It's more like um, stocky, like very solid, mm-hmm. not not heavy, just solid. Um, yeah. And uh, like a football player. Yeah. Not like a swimmer. I also just really like this demon design. I think it's pretty cool. After he rips his shirt, decides to cover himself with a blanket, uh, breaks the door off of its hinges, and then just leaves. Um, at breakfast, meanwhile, Buffy is talking about how much she likes stacking pancakes, but also she likes waffles, and that you can put things into the holes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I also like when Buffy's like, where were you last night? And Willow's like, I was in the chem lab by myself. If anyone ever specifies that yeah. they were somewhere by themselves, they weren't by themselves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, as I said before, Buffy's a little too high on her new relationship smell to even care. Also, she's eating both pancakes and waffles, it seems like, and I'd be distracted by that too. I... I'm 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 with Buffy. There are some people who say, "Oh, pancakes," and there are some people who say waffles. I'm fine with either. Um, well, it's so strange to me that that's like a thing because they're they're different. Like pancakes are softer and like you know, whereas waffles are kind of crunchier. At least that's how I expect them to be. I I, I think it's because um, typical typical pancake and waffle batter are fairly similar true and if you're if they are similar then uh maybe you should like vary your recipe a little bit mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah i think that um also both are known for their for being available in frozen varieties as well so it, it it makes sense that there is a bit of a divide but i don't think there should be that much of a divide you can mm-hmm. this is one of those things that like oh you shouldn't you shouldn't just be able to like Star Trek or just be able to like Star Wars. You can like Star Wars and Star Trek. You can like pancakes and waffles. You can like Willow's sad rainbow star shirt, or you can't. And I can't. <laughs> well, that's a different kind of issue. Um, <laughs> but yes, Willow does say that uh, she was practicing magic alone. And... Uh, she said that it seemed that the spell that she was working on had a little bit of interference. Um, Buffy says that, oh, maybe I should tell Giles about this. And uh, then, she, then she thinks to herself, oh, maybe I should tell uh, Professor Walsh about this because she, she wants to know the mystic side of the Slayer thing. And uh, Willow says, you know, Giles has been feeling a little left out of the loopy. And... Uh, <laughs> And Willow then says, you never told him about Riley and the initiative. And she's like, wait a minute. Yes, I did. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, boy. Um, Yikes. 
So, uh, and I, and at first, so, uh, Buffy decides that she does want to tell, uh, she does want to tell Giles first. Giles, however, goes to Xander's basement. And I understand why he did this, even though Xander is probably the one person he wouldn't want to go to first. He knows that, uh, Buffy and Willow are at college. He knows that if he goes into the, uh, if he goes into, like, campus as a as a demon then one he could um he could just like uh scare the shit out of people and two he could let the initiative know Mm -hmm. and get captured by them which becomes a danger later on in the episode i also think he's Uh, just a little pissy at buffy right now too (laughs) like i think we all know who he's really pissy at true I think all like he has all those practical reasons, but I also think he's just like I'm not going to Buffy right now. Screw her. She could just she can go hang out with Professor Walsh. I'll get Xander to help me. See how that makes her feel. <laughs> and then later he can be like, Yeah, Buffy, Xander had to help me because you never talked to me. <laughs> I would feel very guilty if somebody picked Xander over me for something that I did. It's perfect. Like, what that's, does this world come to? That's Xander's purpose. Being weaponized against other people. He's the stick. He's... <laughs> he is the stick. Oh my goodness. Um, anyway, uh, Giles slowly wakes Xander up. And from what we hear, from what Giles says, he makes a very... If, like... As soon as Xander hears what Giles says, like, okay, he should totally get it. Everything should be fine. And Xander starts freaking out. And it's a very good reveal that Giles, who has been speaking in English all of this time, has actually been speaking the Fiaral language, which is a lot of growling and grunting. Uh, yeah. Xander, fr- Xander freaks out, starts throwing his cookware at Giles, and Giles has to run away. I, I love Z- Giles' like soft, like, Xander, when you see me, <laughs> you will be alarmed. But there's no need to be alarmed. <laughs> like, just <laughs> to me. Um, but I also was like, how many, like, pans does Xander have in his basement? Because he throws at least, like, five. And I was like, you don't even have a real kitchen, Xander. Like, it looks like you have more pans than I do, and I ha- I actually live in a real house, like with a real kitchen. <laughs> I think I think that that was um, his parents' cookware that was stored. Mm. So he just grabbed okay. the nearest thing that he could think could be a weapon because I I would be willing to bet money that Xander does not own a single piece of cookware. I would put money on that. Um, <laughs> At, at least at this point in his life. Um, what a life. Uh, the Scoobies all go to Giles' apartment and see the wreckage that was left behind while Giles was slowly getting a grip on his demon self. And uh, everybody thinks, oh no, what do you think happened? And Anya picks up the ripped shirt and says, oh, I think he ate him. Yeah. <laughs> So they decide to immediately go to the books. Um, unfortunately, it's very hard for them to go to the books because typically Giles is the one directing the going to of the books. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, it's it, yeah, it's very it's thrown into very sharp focus, like how much they rely on Giles's guidance during these um, these research sessions, um, and um, yeah, they need him. You need him, Buffy. Yeah, and and. And, you know, that's actually kind of a big thing about growing up. I think that's something that you that you experience a lot in your 20s and 30s. Um, uh, granted, I'm only I'm only a year and a half into my 30s, but uh, I think this will be a fairly persistent thing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, in the early part of your life, you have these really close knit friends that uh, because, you know, you typically hang around the same people for the most part um, in probably like through grade school and high school. Mm-hmm. And then um, college happens or whatever happens after high school, life happens and people tend to drift away. And uh, even new relationships that you have formed don't exactly... Um, they don't exactly last. It's very easy to lose touch with somebody, mm-hmm. even somebody that you've held like very, very close to. And I think that's just kind of one of the big things about adulthood. You have to be able to, I mean, you, you do have to make people, certain people a priority. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to, it's really easy to lose touch, really hard to keep up, um, as many friendships as as you would hope you'd have yeah <laughs> i was trying I to find a less depressing way to say that but <laughs> no i think but you're right because in high school that's the thing really like friendships in high school quite frankly are easier to maintain because high school is the great equalizer it's what you all have in common you go there every day you have to go there every day um you, you know you don't really even have to plan things with friends in high school to to maintain those relationships because you know I'm going to see that person in chemistry I'm going to see that person in history you know we're going to eat lunch together because we just eat lunch together every day and that's not true after you graduate high school um you know we everyone's lives go in separate directions um or not separate but different directions and it takes a lot more work um, to maintain those relationships with, with people. And it takes active work. Like, you have to you have to do it. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to see this person in chemistry. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I think that's a, that's a big thing. You mentioned this earlier, but I think that is a big thing that we start to see, that we've been seeing throughout the season. And um, at this point, we see Giles being affected by it. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we go through the season, it's gonna, there's gonna be a little more of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, though, Giles is uh, walking through a cemetery, and Spike, Spike says, "Oh, you're a demon. Something I can kill." And Giles just says to himself, oh, great, the one thing that I would need to make this day even worse. But Spike recognizes him, and uh, he says, oh, you're a Fjarl demon. And he 
Spike apparently speaks Fiaral demon, the Fiaral language. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so, so Giles decides to ask him for help. Spike says, fuck you. <laughs> and he's like, I'll give you money. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I really love, like, mercenary Spike. Like, no, oh, you'll pay me for this? Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> and I do uh, like how they set up um, back in the scene when he's trying to leave uh, Xander's basement, how he didn't really have any money on him. Otherwise, he would have gone to a nice hotel room. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Go to um. Go to like the uh, the motel that uh, that Faith was staying at. She she didn't seem to have any income, and she was fine. Yeah. Go to Willie's bar. Uh, Willie could help. Willie the snitch. I love it. Um, <laughs> Riley ends up going to Giles' apartment because uh, there have been multiple 911 calls about the demon, one of which came from Giles' apartment. Um, and I don't... And I'm guessing he attempted to dial 911 with that phone, and it I'm, didn't work? I, yeah, I, I was kind of confused on that. I, I was like, maybe they mean... Maybe he means, like, it came from... The apartment complex? The, yeah, the complex itself, and he was just kind of in the area looking around. Fair but, enough, yeah. Might have been a neighbor. Um, yeah, but it's, who, it's, her... weir- it's weirdly vague on, on that. Like, Yeah. There are a couple of weirdly vague things in this episode. Yeah. But, uh, and um, so Buffy says that Giles is missing. They think the demon has him. And Riley immediately says... You know what? I can give you all the initiative's resources, and nice. um, so yeah, that's a that's a pretty big move for Riley. Um, he uh, he has definitely been in the initiative longer than he has known Buffy, but he is putting his reputation on the line for uh, for this person that Buffy cares about. So. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like this is a pretty easy move for Riley to make. Like he's he's gonna. You have think that to, he's like, trying to? You think that he's trying to show how valuable he can be to Buffy? Yeah, I was just thinking within the initiative anyway. Like he already has to. Like his job is to find this demon anyway. Um, you know, I'm not saying that's like that's. Um, what I I don't know how I'm trying to what I'm trying to say. Um, it's it's basically a win-win for Riley. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. He um, looks he looks to be the supportive boyfriend and he's also doing his job. So Which hey, if you must got be that great, opportunity, must be great. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, um but yeah, yeah, and uh they eventually do find the picture of the uh of the demon in one of Giles' books and say that it can be killed with a silver object. Buffy is obviously pissed that somebody has hurt Giles, so she grabs the letter opener from Giles' desk, assuming that it's silver, and goes after it, and goes after the Fiaral demon. Mm-hmm. Um, Spike cannot drive a stick. Oh my god. <laughs> Giles' line is, um, if you can't find third gear, don't try for third gear. <laughs> I had flashbacks uh, to when I was trying to learn how to drive uh, drive a stick. I still can't. Um, 
that's always something that I've thought I should learn. Um, because you never know when you'll need it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, in fact, there was one, uh, there was one experience when we realized that we did need it and neither of us had it. Oh yeah. So, that uh, was not fun. That was a, that was, yeah, I won't go into the details about that, but let's just say that, uh, neither of us knew how to drive stick and we, re- one of us really needed to know how to drive stick. Um, but, uh, they do have, so basically they're trying to figure out where they can get information from, uh, about Ethan and, uh, Giles is slowly starting to growl more and more. And he, it seems that he's becoming more of this, uh, demon that Spike has worked with before. So he knows like, oh, they're usually not as well spoken as, as you they um they're typically just all about the carnage and uh and Giles says look i'm not going to turn into a monster i'm not going to act like a monster just because i look like one then he tells spike to stop the car so that he can get out because he sees professor walsh walking down the street and decides to chase after her and scare the shit out of her it's glorious it's so it is it (laughs) It truly is. No, there are there are so many swipes that Giles takes at Walsh in this episode. And I guess that since Giles is typically the uh, adult, we don't see him get to be this catty. But yeah. I feel that I, I feel it. that the more I think I think we're going to get more catty Giles as we go on forward because he doesn't necessarily have to be the adult now because, you know, the kids are now out of high school. They're slowly becoming adults in their own way. So this leaves Giles much more opportunity to just get out those claws. Yep. Love to see it. Uh, yeah. Um, they do. They do eventually uh, stop at the bar that Ethan and uh, Giles had been at the night before. Giles asked the waitress. And um, she didn't know the number of Ethan, but she did see um, he had written down where he was staying, which was apparently a very crappy motel. Hey, Spike, if you're looking for a place. I bet it was the one Faith stayed at. It might have been, if for nothing else than the save on a set. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So then uh, we see that Buffy and Riley have broken into the magic shop. Um, Buffy just kicks down the door and Riley says, oh, you shouldn't have done that to the door. She's like, oh, I don't have time to follow rules. Like, well, I have a skeleton key for every shop on Main Street. Ooh, that's discomforting. Yeah. Um, Don't love that secret military organization that can get into anything. We're living in a police state. Anyway... (laughs) um buffy buffy uh buffy earlier had put together that the interference with the magic of willow's spell might have been caused by somebody um, exuding a lot of magic trying to control a demon so she decides that they probably went to the magic so she infers that they probably went to the magic shop to get supplies and um she looks through the receipts and finds that wonderful name, Ethan Rain. Mm-hmm. 
Riley's able to call in the initiative to find out uh, what hotel or where Ethan Rain has been staying. And uh, this is when uh, this is when Riley gives gives a uh, Buffy a little bit of an ultimatum. Uh, well, maybe that's not the right word, but he basically says, "Oh, hey, just so you know, Professor Walsh gave me instructions that I'm supposed to go in alone." And Buffy rightfully says, uh, "No, I'm going and letting you come along." Mm-hmm. Hot. Yeah, Riley really needs to find his. Uh, he really needs to find out where he fits in this hierarchy because it is not where he thinks he fits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Riley definitely thinks that Buffy's going to be his new sidekick, and uh, honey, it don't work that way. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> um, the commandos start chasing uh, the car with spike and uh with spike and giles in it giles is able to jump out and uh spike is able to uh shake off the humvees right before crashing giles's car (laughs) so goodbye to the um what is the goodbye to the citrone yeah um we hardly knew ye uh Giles deserves but, a better car than that hunk of garbage. Yeah. So Giles does eventually get to Ethan's room and tries to attack him. He's about to kill him when Ethan says, oh, well, I can't change you back if I'm... I can't change you back if you kill me. Buffy and Riley show up. And, of course, Buffy still doesn't know that the demon is Giles. She starts fighting him. And... And meanwhile, Riley basically uh, beats the crap out of Ethan. Ethan could have just stood there. Uh, but no, he had to try to fight this guy who obviously looked much stronger than him. Yeah, but, you I was know. a little surprised that Riley, or that, that Ethan tried to fight at all. He usually doesn't. Like, in past appearances, Ethan definitely is like a... He's a lover, give, not a fighter. Yeah. yeah. he's He always is a give-up-right-away sort of... Uh, um so i was i was a little surprised at his his at his attempt to fight back but you know um. but the uh but yeah so buffy is able to pin the demon she grabs the letter opener stabs the demon right in the chest but then she looks into its eyes and realizes that it is giles um oh. The letter opener wasn't made of silver, so Giles is going to be just fine. We then have a cutaway. We don't actually see the spell that changes Giles back. I guess maybe they had used up a lot of their special effects or whatever and didn't have the money to do that spell. Um, And uh, they realize that they need to do something about Ethan, but but Ethan rightly says, Oh, I'm a human. You, the Slayer can't kill me. and But Riley's like, yeah, you're under arrest. So <laughs> Nice. There you go. I um, really, really love um, Ethan's line. He says, I've really got to learn to do the damage and then get out of town. It's the stay and gloat that gets me every time. So then we have a, uh, a little scene between Buffy and Giles. And Buffy is obviously apologizing that she's kept Giles out of the loop. And Giles says, that's okay. The only problem is, is that, and these are to, these are echoing my concerns from the very beginning of the episode, 
-hmm. It seems that she's fallen a little too quickly for the initiative. um, And it might not be safe. And he says that he feels that way regardless of how he feels about one of the many insults he flings at Maggie Walsh. (laughs) Um, Oh, and I believe we actually have a, um, a little bit of a reveal of the initiative of how long it's been here because Giles does state in his drunken rant that uh, he's been fighting demons for 20 years. Then Maggie Walsh comes along for six months and is, uh, and all of a sudden the demons fear her. So it seems like now maybe Giles was just not correctly informed, but it seems like the beginning of us seeing the initiative is the beginning of the initiative. Which I guess kind of makes sense because Riley has, oh, only 17 captures or kills. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they've been fairly busy. So we've kind of been wondering that for a while. Just how long has the initiative been there? Um, Or at least been active. Yeah. And that kind of does track with the... One of us posed the theory... When, earlier in the season when we were trying to figure out this timeline of what of the of the of the initiative that possibly they've they've been able to become what they are in Sunnydale since uh the death of the mayor um no longer with yeah. no longer um influencing things in Sunnydale anymore um so but yeah uh so Giles is worried um he doesn't really trust the initiative which is smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think uh, Buffy might be wearing some uh, rose-colored glasses at this point. Um, Professor Walsh kind of notes the same thing about uh, Riley in that uh, after Riley drops a random bit of poetry, uh, a, a, a very strange statement that Walsh calls him out on, um, and <laughs> she recognizes... She recognized that Riley is in love with Buffy, um, but she also shares Riley's belief that Buffy will be an excellent part of the initiative. So, yeah. And also, this definitely gives a little bit more... This, combined with how the episode ends, gives Walsh a little bit more of a... A little bit more of a sinister vibe, which Mm -hmm. she's kind of been slowly cultivating throughout this... uh, this season uh but yes it does end with uh her going through security doors and she enters a room that is labeled 314 which going back to what ethan passed on there are that is the number that demons are afraid of linked to the initiative so who knows what's behind door 314 we do because we've seen this but yeah (laughs) Um, yeah, they're definitely with, with this building more on that, this, the sinister nature of, uh, of Maggie Walsh and the initiative as a, as a whole. Um, and yeah, this mystery of, of 314. Yep. And that is a new man. man. Um, I think, yeah, I enjoyed this episode a lot more than I thought I would. Um, it, uh, it, it, it really does uh, try to stay squarely in the humorous category while still 
being able to uh, move it, move a lot of stuff forward. Um, obviously, the initiative had like a sinister vibe going already. Now we can kind of see it's centered around this room three one four and centered around uh, Professor Walsh. Mm-hmm. Um, always fun to see Ethan Rain. Um, always fun to see uh, just see see Jane Espenson's brilliantly written comedy acted out on screen and a great great moment for Giles too. So uh, I think I'll give this episode. 3.5 magic tubes out of <laughs> out of five uh, yeah i i agree with everything you said it's funny um nice to see giles get some uh some some time in the spotlight especially since uh he he hasn't had as much to do this season um so um and yeah it's uh all the all the other storylines are moving forward nicely as well so i think it's a it's it's an efficient episode as well as just being really entertaining um so i'm gonna give this episode four gifted lamps out of five (laughs) that's a lot of lamps but it's a lot uh, of lamps if if you're like me and you have rooms in your house that don't have uh overhead fixtures you need lamps Mm -hmm. i love lamp (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, um, if we're done, you want me to take us out? Take us out. All right. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel, Season 1, Episode 12, Expecting. Uh, And I'm expecting that you're going to listen to this episode. I'm expecting that I'm going to hate that fucking episode. (laughs) But that's that's a conversation for next week. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C O F F M A N. I also write a blog wherein I review a different horror movie every week. That's called Horror by Harrison.blogspot.com. This week I covered the 2017 uh, film adaptation of Stephen King's It. Uh, just. Just part one. I will be doing chapter two at a later date. Ooh. I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yummyj357 and on Twitter at just plain old yummyj. And if you like what you hear, you can... (laughs) If you like what you hear, you can follow me on my other podcast where I eat some caramels and discuss the popular spinoff of The Vampire Diaries. Just go to Spotify and search... Were there's originals? B plus. No, it's better than that. Screw you. <laughs> uh, fine, I'm giving you an A minus, but the minus is personal. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out A N D in all of those instances. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -mm -mm. Each week, we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting the Union of Concerned Scientists. The Union of Concerned Scientists is a national nonprofit organization founded founded more than 50 years ago by scientists and students at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Their mission is to use... 
their mission is to use rigorous independent science to solve our planet's most pressing problems. Joining with people across the country, they combine technical analysis and effective advocacy to create innovative, practical solutions for a healthy, safe, and sustainable future. Visit www.ucsusa.org for more information. And as always, go slay and be gay. Goodbye. So Bye. Farewell. Avinus and good night. I hate Adieu to go. To you. And, and you and you and you. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.